1: And this is Zeba Hassan. We've had quite an eventful week. So how was your week? Um, I am dealing with a tween and a
0: teen now, Zayba. Oh, Send have fun. reinforcements. Because... I will send you a
1: care package. I'll send I you. A... Mean... I won't even send reinforcement. I'll send you a care package. It'll include chocolate. Uh-huh. It'll include a, a tissue box with soft, soft, so it doesn't pop lotion in Yeah, the lotion in it, and I will send you the supper app so you can go listen to it and
0: in the Oh yeah, I should centered.
1: probably listen to that. Yeah, no, it's
0: you on my phone, centered. but you know what do you do when you're like trying to not throw your phone at your kid? But they're they're hitting an impasse, right, with the unschooling, like now I have to ask them like, Hey, did you do any work today? And one of them literally will just go and sit and watch videos about gaming. So it's not even gaming,
1: videos about other people playing playing the games. Yeah. I "I don't even understand.
0: That's like the worst kind of bench warming ever. And uh, I'm getting really frustrated, but I can't do that today because it's his birthday. So
2: Yes, and in the
0: age of COVID, when you can't invite your friends over because they're all going to school and they're all exposed to other kids, eh, we rented out a theater.
1: Okay, girl, do you do have a way to do do it. it, It's like do what you have to do. We'll
0: invite like our cousins who we know also homeschool and just kind of sit in our little COVID bubble inside of a theater. But I am taking my can of Lysol to spread it all down. And that's what his birthday party will be. Spray
1: it Everybody, inhale some Lysol. It'll be good for
0: you. How's your week been? Also eventful. <laughs>
1: it's it's been extremely stressful. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not going to share the details because, like, I I, I never. Other people are, are involved in this particular lifestyle of craziness, but what I can share with people is that um, I am always in a constant state of trauma and chaos on some level. And maybe other people can relate to that. Um, some as a product of my own craziness, some as um, an extension of other people's craziness. Um, but the reality of the situation is I, I feel very good about where I am today on an emotional, um, from an emotional perspective, because I have learned to let certain things go that are outside of my control. Mm-hmm. And if anybody has known me like Asma or some of my older friends, they recognize that the control thing was a, a direct relation to some of the trauma and these types of things that I had faced when I was younger. Um, and now my ability to let go and to go with the flow, quote unquote, and really be at a space where I'm like, you know what? this is what it is. We will deal with it as it comes and move on from there. I am extremely proud of myself. And as far as how, how far I have come in my, my evolutionary process of self-acceptance and emotional growth. So I'll just leave it at that, but I've had a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of hyper stress, but at the end of the day, I'm here right now. I'm talking to you, doing the work that really invigorates us. And, you know, how can I not feel blessed for that? Ami. Mean. I'm really proud so of you. that was my mini, that was my <laughs> mini soapbox. I pulled in as much. It was a soapbox actually. It really, really truly it was. It was.
0: Yeah. I'm proud of you too. I may alone make it all easy for you and, you know, restore your sleep because I know how precious that is to Girl. you. And yeah, may all of our families be healthy, happy, and safe always. That's what we,
1: that's the best we can do.
0: That's Um, the best we can do.
1: So do you want to tell us what our, like the actual soapbox is? Yeah, actual I I need to, I need to like take a break, take it all in, because I always have to get prepared when Osma gives our soapbox.
0: It's going to be super short because um, I'm still doing some research on this to get exact numbers. I don't think I ever will, but our soapbox for today is about Huh. The pullout from Afghanistan. And so, uh, you know, everybody's freaking out. Everybody who's American is freaking out about, oh, we're leaving all these people to die in Afghanistan. We're pulling out, we're pulling out, we're pulling out. Well, we may not really be pulling out, because as it turns out, we still have special ops forces in Afghanistan. We still have mercenaries in Afghanistan. We have long bombs and um, drones. So long bombs are basically bombs in other countries near Afghanistan aimed at Afghanistan. And drones, of course, that have for the last 20 years killed plenty of Afghanis, also Pakistanis next door, Um, but plenty of drones to continue to destabilize the area. So are we really pulling out? Is this war in Afghanistan really over? I don't know. You tell me. I'm going to give uh, the few numbers that I do have from politics today, which will be in our show notes link, is that, you know, we've had uh, military contractors in Iraq and Afghanistan for decades now. um, And they kind of had to be pulled in to do all of those things that our army can't do legally, right? Like our military forces are restricted by international code of conduct and international law, but special op forces are basically, pri- and mercenaries are uh, basically private companies. Uh, Blackwater might come to mind, and we've gotten a lot of trouble for using them um, in the past, so they're no longer allowed enough. Well, first, Hamid Karzai had said, you're not allowed to bring Blackwater in here because they were going in and actually murdering civilians and doing all kinds of unchecked things. You can't regulate them because they're private entities, right? So Karzai said, no, you can't have them in, but then they ended up getting in and Karzai had to be shut up. Um, I wonder who was doing the shutting up, but uh, those troops are still in there. Those mercenaries, we think they're telling us about 10,000 of them are there. And they decided to change their name from private contractor and called them um, advisors to NATO and uh, our uh are other international forces that were in um, basically just rebranded them? They're still mercenaries. They're just under uh, another name called risk management companies. That's what they call them. Um, but there's 10,000 of them there. About 10 to 20% of them are militant, which means that they can actually engage in combat. And the rest were more advisors and stuff. So these numbers that we're getting about Americans being left back in Afghanistan 100 to 600 we knew, we knew that those numbers were higher. I initially doubted when they said, oh, a lot of these people have chosen to stay in Afghanistan. Well, these mercenaries are among them because they are part of the special forces that are going to remain in Afghanistan. And it's not going to end up well, guys. There's not going to be peace in Afghanistan as long as we pay American dollars to private companies to go terrorize other people. That never ends well. The last time we did that, guess what? We lost two towers. 9-11 is tomorrow. Don't do that. This is dumb. Until we pull out completely and let somebody else govern themselves, which is what they've been wanting to do, um, as people who believe in self-government democracy, I mean, come on, Um, whatever they decide to do and whatever kind of government they set up, let them try it, you know. And if it is Taliban, well, it's going to eventually implode. The condition of a people never changes until the people actually step up and change it themselves. But we have to give them that opportunity and we can't set them up for failure with mercenaries and special ops and you know plans to continue to drone them and plans to continue making orphans and widows. America, wake up. It's time to take back our tax dollars, invest them in our own country and not in these mercenary companies, these private people that are not governed by international law. It's not going to end up well, not for the Afghanis, not for us. That's our soapbox for today.
1: I'm not gonna to touch that with the ten foot pole, so I'm gonna leave it there. <laughs> because Hopefully I'll have more numbers in the coming we weeks, more, but we'll see. We have more numbers in the coming weeks. And you know, Isma and I are don't necessarily agree on every single issue and I'm still in the process of trying to figure all this out, but um, in general I agree with you I think people should have the opportunity to try to uh, at least attempt to cover themselves I'm not too thrilled about the Taliban being that is. Mm-hmm. so I'm a little bit like mm, I don't know if I agree with you on that part but um, inshallah fair like whatever happens and hope and pray the best for our Afghani Amin. for Afghan uh, families and our Afghan members I mean but you know We are continuing our series, speaking of controversy, uh, we are continuing our series on Queer Muslims this month, and we are following along on social media very, very carefully as our marketing rolls out, as it does. Um, And I think we've probably, and I feel very proud about this, had set a record for the most unfollows in a 48-hour period of time before they even heard our episode. Our episode hadn't even dropped yet, so nobody actually listened to it. 1700. More 1700. than 1700. People. We are dropping like flies and we've never been happy. Like we can only laugh at it because, you know, if we run away from things that we actually don't even know um, what we're running away from, like my daughter loves to say, say all the time, SMH or, or shaking my damn heads as she loves to say, you know, our, our work here at mommy, Mom Well Muslim is to provide a safer world for all of our kids. And to that end, we're going to introduce our next guest. Her name is Aram Rani. She, um, I love her name because that's my mama's Muslim name. She is the founder of the Iftahar Community, Community Activist. She is based out of Houston, Texas, and she is here to share her story about coming out as a Muslim kid and what we as parents can do better for our collective queer kids. Again, whatever your kid's identity or choices, you know, the reality of the situation is all these kids are our kids. And we have to watch out for all of them. And to that extent, we're here to welcome Iram. Iram, thank you so much for joining us here today. She is joining us by phone because um, she is doing multiple things as well. So we appreciate her putting this time and effort in. Assalamu
0: alaikum, Iram. Thanks so much for coming on, Aram. We're so happy to have you. Can you tell us what behavior from the general mainstream Muslim community looks like and what that behavior does to queer kids?
2: So let's talk about the queer uh, Muslim oh, Muslim community that parents are afraid of talking about. Our queer children, they're the most vulnerable. They're the ones who are really wanting to get more information. But we're always misled because of religion. Um, religion is the problem and the culture is the problem of why our kids are so afraid to talk about this topic is because our parents, our ancestors, they always told us that it is bad and it's haram. Okay, I understand that, but at times, yes, kids have to understand certain things and growing up what is hard was hard and being you know, being a queer person and Trying to love your faith was the hardest thing to ever battle by yourself and going to a masjid that you don't feel like you are comfortable and you are eyed a lot because they know you are who you are and you've been eyed a lot. You've been, you know, judged so much by, you know, all these aunties or you and all these other people. So I understand the pain of these kids, but at the fact that here we have our parents, our parents are the ones who need to love us. Allah has always told us, is always said to love your children and, you know, love your parents, but our parents don't understand that their words that do hurt us. And it's not about sensitivity. It is about how your tone is. And I want those mothers to understand is that no, it is not wrong to be different. It is okay. You can, your child wants to confide in you because of how their sexuality is. You need to let them uh, you really, really need to let them in, uh, hear about them. You need to hear about it. You need to let them talk about it because that's the healthiest thing to ever do for your child. For the queer children, it's very important that the mothers, especially the mothers, the mothers are the ones who gave birth to us, alhamdulillah. And we're the, the women are the most powerful ones in Islam. And we forget about that. And our mothers are everything to us. And if our mothers are everything to us, they should at least at least try to understand their children because they're, that is their backbone. They're, the mother is their backbone, and no matter what. And I want my viewers to know, and I want the viewers to know on this podcast and the mothers to know that do not ever neglect your child because they are different. Let them be who they are. If your child is, you know, a boy and he wants to dress into, uh, wants to wear a dress or do some makeup, it's fine. That is okay. Nobody really cares. Yes, they'll be bullied, but they have to learn by themselves, too, to be in order for them to survive. And I know it's going to be scary for the, for the parents and the mothers, but I guarantee you later on they will love you no matter what. They will love you at the end. And I want the parents and the mothers to know that you keep a good relationship with your children. And being queer is very hard, and I know how hard it is, And I want to try to make it easy for the kids and I wanted to make it, you know, comfortable for the kids. I want them to come to a community, to a center where they can still pray namaz and pray whenever they want to and without being being judged by so many people around our community.
0: There's a lot that you um, just mentioned. I think we want to go back, yes. rewind a little bit just to unpack some of it because there's a lot of information, um, some of yes. which a lot of people have not heard before. They have heard multiple times on this podcast to keep lines of communication open with your kids at all times. And, you know, not everybody agrees with Zeba and me and being as open as we are with our children. That's okay, it's exactly. a learned skill, but, you know, we're all learning together. I do want to backtrack exactly. to what you said early on out of the gate about religion being the problem. Is that something that you truly believe? Because I thought in our conversations before um, offline that it was the culture that you thought was more problematic. It was
2: a little... Uh, the reason why I say religion is not from my perspective. It is because from what the other people are looking from, you know, they think the about it. That is why okay. I said religion. Um, I would say from being a Pakistani, and I would say it, it is from the cultural aspect. Um, most of the culture is very you know complex and it's very you know misreading and it's really harsh but yes most of it is the culture because the culture does tell us you know you shouldn't you can't be you know if you're like this then you're going to be treated differently they're going to look at you differently they're going to reject you as a person this and that i would have to say is that it is the it is the culture that we've been with you know we we're we born with i guess but you know as a mother as somebody who i who I consider to be
1: extremely open-minded. I'm not one of these people that, are, that feel like anybody should be, you know, penalized for their belief systems and this and that. And honestly, like you're saying you're a queer Muslim and you want a safe space to pray. I love that you're providing a safe space for people to pray, you know, but as, as a mother too, who is as open-minded? I can't, I can't tell you how I would respond if one of my children came to me and said, oh, they were cre- queer or they were, they were coming out. Not that I'm gonna not love them or not, you know, try to protect them or not support them, but it's more from a parent perspective, the the vision or the dream that you have for your child is not necessarily the dream that is going to come to reality. Right. And so as a mom, you feel a little bit like, oh, shoot, that part is over. And that is inevitably going to be painful and it's inevitably going to be hard. So I I love that I'm hearing your side of it because as a mom, I would like to know, okay, so Let's say your kid comes to you with this. How do you? You, you don't want to. Your initial instinct is probably to react, and probably not to react yes. as well as you probably should. And I'm just being extremely <laughs> honest about that. But but because we are the protectors of our children, and you don't want them to sh- run away, you don't want them to to uh, you you don't want them to feel abandoned. What is some of the things, or perhaps you can share? what you want to share about your coming out story and how you wish your mother would have responded because it doesn't sound as if she responded the way you would have hoped her to have responded. Does that make
2: sense? Yes, it does. It really does. So I will have to say, yes, mothers have a different instinct and a different way of showing you know, emotions toward their children. I understand that for sure. My mom didn't have the best response because I had actually came out to my aunt first. So I told her and I said, you can tell mom, I'm not saying anything. Like I don't want to yell, get yelled at or anything. She was the only like backbone with my aunt with my backbone for everything. She's the most biggest supporter of my life and always will. So she was always there for me. So she was always there to talk to my mom about anything if I had trouble. So that was like a good thing. But my mom wasn't too happy. She was very like, you know, upset. She wouldn't talk. She didn't talk to me for a little while. My dad, on the other hand, he was like, oh, I already knew. I'm like, "Uh, okay, well, how am I supposed to respond to that? You know, my dad gave me a total different response from my mother. So, you know, he talked to her. So it was like, it was okay, but, you know we don't talk about it anymore, but she knows about my sexuality now. And, um, I am going to say this on air. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I was married. Yes. In the begin, in the the past, I got divorced. Um, I did that for cultural for my parents, you know, sake just to get off my back, I guess. And it worked for a little while, but you know, I couldn't live alive. I had to, I was scared. I was by my, I just didn't like, living a lie and I knew too between me and Allah that I was living a lie and I cannot live a lie under like any just for any circumstances at all. And when my mom knew, she knew she was just like, okay, you know, now she's kind of she's very accepting of it because she's seen the relationships I've been in and she's seen like what happened. And she's like, you know what? This is you. This is who you are. I cannot change you. But she's now she's a loving person. She loves me as who I am. And like, I'm grateful for that. Uh, And, you know, whatever,
0: whatever that looks like in your relationship with your kid is fine. The thing is, you don't have to agree with your kid. You know, like we don't so many times we just I mean, like my kids this week, um, they don't want to do their work for school. And I'm like, okay. or they don't want to do the work that I think they should be doing. I'll have to agree with them, but I have to respect them as individual beings um, who are able to make their own decisions. And, you know, what we talked about last week with our guest was just don't freak out. You're freaking out. We get it. If your kid comes out, you're gonna go in the closet, go with your husband, go with your girlfriends, go do it there. Or come to us and freak out with us, but don't freak out in front of your kid who needs you to be the pillar of strength and not reject them. Because the whole world is ready to reject them right now. And they need us. And we're not saying accept their lifestyle, accept their choices. We're saying accept the being that Allah gave you. That was not a mistake. Like, you are the perfect mom for this kid. That is the perfect kid for you as a mother. Um, Please, please don't turn that kid away and say, get away from me. I have a suspicion that maybe your mom was hurt because she wasn't the first person yeah. to hear it, you know? And, and yeah. I would too, I would be really upset. Like, Oh, what did I do wrong that my kid didn't trust me? You know? So.
2: Yeah. And um, that's what we don't want the relationship to happen. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't uh-huh. want that, but you know, it did, it and it, it did end up like that. Yeah. Am I proud of it? No, but I was young. I was scared. I was like I knew since I was like very young, like I can't even tell how young I was. I was very young. I already knew I was different from everyone. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I already knew I was attracted to women. There was no doubt about that. Um, but I did date guys. It didn't work. It was just not like something I would want. I wouldn't, I was, you know, it was just not my thing. <laughs> I've been through the pain, the mental exhaustion, the you know, the breakdowns, everything It's just not the biggest, it's not the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I, especially the mothers, if you see your child, like, you know, later on, if you neglect them for who they are, some of them are going to just like rebel and they're going to run away and they're not going to, you know, come back to you. I've had stories like that too. They just left their parents and because they weren't accepting of them
1: this actually brings up a really interesting question because one of the, one of the things I try not to read all of the comments that we're doing, like Uzma kind of does that for me. Cause I'm like, don't engage, don't engage. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I, but you're, you're bringing this up, right? Cause you are in the know, you are the one that ta- these people are coming to you and coming to your Institute to, to reach out for help. And one of the things um, that I've been seeing consistently for the five seconds that I quickly ran through all of the crazy emails and stuff. Like I'm like, I'm just not going to do this anymore was, Oh, if you guys talk about it, you're going to um, make it happen. I, I always tell this story. I I was in, um, I was a kindergarten um, room mom and I would go into the room once a week with my oldest son. And that kid, there was one little boy, love him to death. And I knew at age five, he was gay. And now of course, fast forward, he is a senior. And of course he's out and whatever. I knew then whether we had a conversation, whether we didn't have a conversation, none of that was going to change the fact that that's who he was. And you, and you mentioned you were married and, and I appreciate, and I hope that we put you in a safe space where you felt like you could share that. So I definitely appreciate you sharing that. And, 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 again, it hurts you living this lie hurts two people, the the person you married, right? Because you could not be your authentic self with that person. So he couldn't get the full of you and you hurt yourself in the meantime, but you tried it anyway. And, and you, and you I, couldn't, yeah, you exactly. couldn't do no matter
2: what, I, it. It exactly. wasn't an and easy choice for you. too. Mm. Yeah. And it exactly. wasn't an easy choice experience. for you. I had to, you know, it's it's not the easiest choice to make, but I had to for myself and for the sake of myself and my mental health. I had to do that for myself. And I, you know, I pray in my in my ways and I pray to Allah. Like, you know, I know that I've been for Umrah and I've been to Hajj, but, you know, every time I tell you I'm sorry, this is who I am. This is who I am. I cannot change who I am at all. This is what I'm going to be. And it's up to Allah to decide if he wants to take my life away. And if he doesn't, that is up to Allah to decide what he wants to do with my life. So I just leave it to Allah, my life. I don't say whatever I do is what I do. I just, if I want to pray, I'm going to pray. I pray, I do what I have to do as a devout Muslim as I am. In my heart, you know, my family knows I'm a very good Muslim in my heart and it doesn't matter about my sexuality to them. They're like, OK, as long as you're a good Muslim, that's all that matters to them. I have to say, yes, it is a very common thing for let you know, lesbians or the queer community, to marry each other as we call it as a com- marriage of convenience. Oh. Uh, we do that is because for our families, we don't want either. We don't want to come out, or we just are too scared to come out. I'm not to beat a dead horse,
0: but did you get married before or after you came out with your parents?
2: So, I did come out before I got married, wow. but it was just the hardest acceptance to make them understand so it was like they always thought that no she'll change after you know marriage after marriage after marriage so um I knew this guy for a very long time about it he knew about me i knew about him i'm like okay sure why not we know each each other's families like whew, like it, there was no issue for it like we're all like okay we're done deal why not so like a couple months later we got married mm-hmm. and then we're like okay we we're, were it was like just basically living with a roommate you know like a mm-hmm. best friend so it wasn't such a big deal for us but it was fun for a while you know at that time i was trying to figure myself I was out of the house I get to do what I need to do I don't have any distractions nothing for the first time in my life Uh so I think it's during that time I started dating too and you know we talked about that off topic so you know I dated for a while and then you know I decided I couldn't do I just couldn't date either so got the divorce too and I just you know left the relationship I had to be by myself too in order for me to do what I wanted to do I just wanted to find
0: myself. You mentioned a little bit earlier about um, some terms. So, um, you know, there's a lot of terms that uh, heteronormative people, uh, much less heteronormative Muslim people don't understand. So maybe if you don't mind explaining, you know, what is the appropriate uh, way to identify your community? Is it LGBTQIA? Is it queer? What's the difference? Uh,
2: this is um, so transgender, the hetero-
0: intersex, those terms, <laughs> if you could talk about okay. those.
2: So we will talk about that right now. So when it comes to the LGBTQIA spectrum, that is for the whole hetero, you know, part of it. But for us, we call each other, we call, we say queer people, queer. Mm-hmm. So it's basically the umbrella of Gay, lesbians, transgendered, um, you know, uh, non-binary people. Non-binary people are the ones who don't really identify as a gender. Just depends on what your child is, want, wants to be called. So if you have a trans child and he or is going to be a she or she is going to be a he, make sure you call them by their name. By the, their preferred pronoun. Their is- yeah. Yes, you go for a pronoun or you go for, you're saying, for that example, their name is, uh, the guy's his name is going to be Salman, but he's trying to transgender to a girl and she wants to be named Alia. You go by that name at all times. It doesn't matter what they look like from the outside because they're going to take time to transition, but always go by their name
1: there's such a power in in the name, right? Regardless of what it is. And, and it's so funny because I was talking to another friend today on a separate topic and we were we were like, remember when we were kids and we had this huge philosophical dis- discussion about our names and how it impacts who we are? And so you're right. Saying the name is power. And especially if you have chosen the name for yourself, it's it's definitely a different thing. And by the way, we've had this conversation And I am not queer. After having this conversation, it's having frank conversations doesn't change who you are, but it does allow us to have these conversations so that somebody else feels safe to do that. But you know, you talked about your your faith journey a little bit, how um, you felt the culture, which I don't disagree with, is is one that's not necessarily conducive or as welcoming to this particular demographic of people. What is your personal, or what has been your personal faith journey? Because, like you said, you. Went went to Umrah, you went to Hajj. So you consider yourself a pretty, quote, unquote, observant Muslim person that happens to be gay. So can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Oh, man, that's a struggle. (laughs) That was a very big struggle for me. You know, um, Alhamdulillah, I've gotten the chance to go for Umrah, and I've been to Hajj. Alhamdulillah, that's the biggest, greatest gift I could ever get from my parents. And, you know, I had the advantage that was the biggest struggle was Islam and me coming out. And I was very young. I was like probably what, like 16, 17, you know, out trying, like in high school, I was very confused still at that age. But even though I knew, but it was just still confusing at that time. But I had a very good friend who was like a mentor to me. And she made me understand so much that, I was very grateful to have her in my life. And if I never had her in my life, I don't know where I would be today, to be honest with you. Um, it's very important if, you know, for the queer kids, you know, if they need a mentor, they need someone to talk to, they should always have someone. Uh, it's just a roller coaster. I can't say anything else about it. So, like the spiritual journey you're saying is also
0: a roller coaster because it kind of ebbs and flows, right. like how close you feel to Allah or not. Because I got to be honest, when before, you know, A couple of decades ago, I would say even a decade ago. um, For me, it was like people who um, are queer, queer Muslim, they renounce religion. But then I met a bunch of queer Muslims that are devout Muslims. And I was like, oh, wait, you still want to be Muslim? And they were like, yeah, we don't have a problem with the religion. We just, you know, this is how we felt we needed to, you know, be in the world this is how we wanted to exhibit ourselves and identify ourselves and live our lives but our commitment to allah our commitment to islam is as strong probably stronger in uh in the case of some muslims so is that what you're saying is your spiritual relationship with allah kind of ebbs and flows and if yes why do you think
2: that is in our heart and in our the way we're brought we were always drilled by the cultural aspect of it that we were so so, you know, consumed by it that we were gonna still have it in our mind. Mm-hmm. And for us to really doubt it is an up and that's why I say it's gonna be up and down roller coaster as if, you know, for spirituality rise. Because I, in a way, because you're gonna Think is Allah still going to love me as who I am? Is Allah going to still be this? Is Allah going to still accept me? This and that, you know. what I'm saying, that's why I'm saying it's going to be an up and down thing when it comes to spirituality, Mm -hmm. no matter what, because we're all going to go through it because we're all not the perfect Muslims in this world. Okay, so whether you're gay or straight, at the end of the day, Allah has given us life. Alhamdulillah, you know, give us so much we get to do. We do wrong things, we do bad things, but you know. I tell this to my community, too, at the end of the day, Allah is the one who's going to judge you on what you're going to be doing. I cannot tell you what to do. I cannot tell you when to come out. I cannot tell you how to do it. I can just advise you, and you have to make that choice.
0: I just think it's so tragic that it's the culture that colors a Muslim kid's understanding of religion. And that's why on this podcast, especially, we're always talking about how in america we get to filter out the culture because we have our own culture over here right um and we know that that is western culture but we are practicing islam which is a global universal religion and so we get to practice the actual unfiltered unadulterated unacculturated version of it here especially those of us who are born and raised in this country where we don't know a lot of that cultural baggage we heard it you know, but we didn't necessarily have all of that drilling that happens. And so what, if you look on our socials, you'll see a lot of the most uh, righteous indignation about um, queerness is coming from people who live in homogenous societies that are homogenous oh, yeah. and Muslim. And so their, ex- their experience is that that is wrong because everybody around them looks, believes, acts like them. And if they're different, they have to do it underground. Whereas in America, everything is open. We are not a homogenous society over here. And thank goodness, because then we get to learn and experience other things and know that there are other truths out there. This is mine. This is what Allah taught me. And this is what I'm going to practice. But I'm not going to ignore what's going around me, especially when those people, um, I feel like are being oppressed, you know, because in Islam, anybody who's being oppressed um, deserves our help. And, you know, here we feel like if our queer kids are being bullied, are being beaten, are being rejected, are being thrown out of their house, they are now an oppressed and vulnerable population. And as moms, we're going to hold space for them and we're going to try to find a safe space for them. So given that not being a mom, you decided to create it if the heart community um, for queer Muslim, queer Muslim youth. So tell us a little bit about some of the services that if the community offers
2: right now, we have resources. So the resources that I have, you know, I work with different communities and different organizations. I've part, like, you know, I've gotten their numbers and their resources. So all I do is just give out resources to whoever they are. Um, I also give out resources to people who are not just in Houston and not just in the U.S. Also, if you're in India, or if you're in Pakistan, you're in, um, you know, Afghanistan, you know, for example, that's another big project I'm trying to do right now. We
0: know that that is literally just the surface of what we need to know about helping queer kids. But... In an attempt to kind of get to know you better, we have like a fun little rapid fire that we close up with. Zeba had to take okay. a doctor's call. So she usually runs this, but I'm going to do it in her stead. Um, and so oh, the way it works is I'm just going to start a timer for a minute and ask you some fun questions. And the first thing that pops in your head, that is your right answer. Okay. Don't All think right, about please. it too hard. It's not complicated. It's not like anything that was on our show notes. So you don't even have to worry about it. It's actually, I All think right, you'll so enjoy it. It's supposed to be fun. So. Hopefully you will find it to be so. So, what was your first job?
2: My first job was working at Academy.
0: <laughs> oh, I, lo- I miss Academy, man. They don't have it out here. Um, what is your hidden talent?
2: My hidden talent? Oh man, longboarding and skateboarding. <laughs> Ooh,
0: that sounds like fun and painful too. Okay, and
2: also number three, and also golf. I was Uh-oh. varsity golf for three
0: couple of years. <laughs> varsity golf. Okay. I didn't even know that was a thing. That's awesome. Um, if you had to eat one thing for every meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Pizza. <laughs> really?
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah. I love pizza.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. Okay. I don't know. For me, it would be cheeseburgers. Um, if you could spend a day in someone else's shoes, who would they be and why?
2: Oh, my God. That's a good question. I would have to say Gamal Harris. Oh, how come? <laughs> I respect her as a woman, you know, and a South Asian slash Black woman, you know, yes. in the uh, office. But she has an energy that, like, is really pumping. She's up going, She's really chill. Like, you know, like, and she's always busy. So I'm always, like, so curious. So I'm like, what is she talking about? What is she saying? How does she negotiate? You know, negotiate mm-hmm. on so many things, so it's like you know, how so women is like now for us, it's like, and me, it's a huge thing, yeah. I like love it. It's, and my second one been, before Kamala Harris would have been Princess Diana,
0: yeah. Oh my god, I was gonna say that that was me too. <laughs> that would be the I'm closest Princess thing Diana. to a role model I had when I was like five.
2: Thank you so much. I've had really had a good time talking to you guys. <laughs> great. I'm glad. I'm glad
0: that you felt safe to be here. Um, have a great rest of your weekend and thanks so much everybody for listening. Asalam alaykum. Thank you. As-salamu alaykum. As-salamu alaykum. Thanks again for joining Ziba and Uzman
1: Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check
0: out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode, and remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for
1: another episode of Mommy While Muslim. As-salamu alaykum, everyone.